I'm Kate Daniels. Isn't feeling empowered a most wonderful feeling? It's my hope, and I think the hope of my guest, Dr. Brent Bauer, that his work and comments will have that opportunity for you. Dr. Bauer is the founder of the Mayo Clinic Integrative Medicine and Health Program, and he is also the co-author of the new book, Mayo Clinic's Integrative Guide to Good Health. We know that everything we can do to be proactive in our own health is going to result in a better quality of life. And Dr. Bauer shares some of his ideas as a medical doctor and being receptive to blending Eastern and Western medicine approaches to our best benefit. So let's meet Dr. Bauer to hear some of those insights. Dr. Brent Bauer, good morning. It is such a wonderful gift to have you join us this morning. Well, thanks for having me on. This is uh, my pleasure. Well, thank you. You have so many gifts to share with us because of your profession as a physician. Being at the Mayo Clinic, of course, is a major thing that goes on. I think we all look toward the Mayo Clinic as high regard and think that lots of great things are happening there. And now you come out with this incredible book, which any of us across the country can use and feel like we're connected to the Mayo. And that's this book, The Integrative Guide to Good Health, Home Remedies Meet Alternative Therapies to Transform Well-Being. That's a lot of stuff, but I think it <laughs> it really captures, I think, the essence of us and our health, doesn't it? I, I hope so. It, it is a mouthful, but I think it's trying to bring a lot of concepts together. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Mayo has a great reputation, and, and especially for helping people when things are, are not going well. Uh, so a, a serious cancer, a serious surgery... Uh, but I think we're also uh, increasingly recognized as a place that's very interested in promoting health and wellness for our patients and consumers. And that's where this book comes from. It really is coming from this idea that because our patients have been asking us for the last 20 years about acupuncture, about massage, about herbs, uh, that we've had to do a lot of research. And with that research, we've actually changed our practice. We've actually incorporated, when it's evidence-based, things like acupuncture and massage into our routine care. And so that idea now with the book is to share that knowledge, uh, not so much that we're going to use this book to treat disease, but more what, what can we do as individuals? What can we do to promote our own health and wellness in an evidence-based fashion? And isn't that a lot of what integrative medicine is, is knowing uh, what we can do on our own and when to look to the professionals for that help when we need it? I, I, that's my definition. I'm absolutely on the same page with you. I think the idea of integrative medicine really is that there are a lot of things that have been part of healthcare uh, that we, we know work and we love and that we often call conventional medicine. But there's also been this parallel kind of universe, if you will, of things that come from other traditions or cultures, such as traditional Chinese medicine, uh, perhaps Native American medicine. And as we looked at those over the last 15, 20, 30 years, many people were simply reaching in there and bringing things out and finding that they were working. And so anecdotes are never enough to make us change how we uh, deliver care, but those anecdotes were enough to say to many scientists, let's dig deeper and find out, does uh, fish oil really lower triglycerides? Does uh, melatonin really help with sleep? Can massage really help pain after surgery? And as those studies were done, a lot of those things that were out there in the parallel track or, or the separate track now have been integrated uh, to the benefit of the patient and increasingly to the benefit of the consumer. 
And what I'm heartened to hear is how you and your team listen to people. And it encourages maybe the rest of us to speak up and say, well, I heard about such and such. Could we investigate that? You took that and you researched it. You didn't just take it, as you said, that as evidence, but researched it so that you can incorporate it if it really is sound and makes sense. I, I hope that's what we did. That, that was the intention. And I think you're absolutely right. We want to have that dialogue with our doctors, right? We we can come to our doctor now with a lot more information uh, from the web, from various sources, and, and we have to sift it carefully. But I think coming to the meeting with your doctor, having good questions about, hey, I want to improve my health. My, my blood pressure is a little high. Uh, this study suggests meditation can help with that. Uh, what do you think? And then looking for those answers from the doctor or your care team as a whole, are these things going to work for me? Do they fit for me? Are the reasons I can or cannot use those? So that idea of a collaborative approach, that we're not having to make these decisions in isolation, but we can make a lot of headway in our own learning from books like this, from a lot of other resources that are out there, uh, and then come you know, up with a plan that is really a comprehensive, personalized approach for wellness. And isn't that what we're all really searching for, is to be well? No one really ventures out to want to be ill, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't have many people who are excited to come to the hospital. You're absolutely right. And so here we have an opportunity to take some of this into our own hands because the Integrative Guide to Good Health really uh, is almost an A to Z approach and we can find whatever it might be that is kind of making us uncomfortable, is an ailment, but can potentially be looked at, be treated uh, by getting some information here and then seeking out some professional help. Absolutely. What I like about integrative medicine is it really gives us a lot more tools in the toolkit. So, for example, we're talking about wellness, and I think most of us know we should do good nutrition, good exercise, probably good stress management, sleep. So those are great. But if, if I'm coming at it from a very conventional approach, my toolkit's pretty thin for some of these things. So, for example, with exercise, if I have joint limitations, problems, I'm probably not going to go out and run or bike, but I might be able to do Tai Chi. And in Tai Chi is very gentle and it's very flowing movements. And many people can do that or even people with severe limitations can do a seated type of Tai Chi. So the idea of having other ways to introduce people to elements of wellness that doesn't have to be, well, here's the one thing we have and if it doesn't fit for you, you're kind of out of luck. So having more tools in that toolkit, and, and again, stress management's a perfect example. There's probably no, no culture more stressed right now than America. And so what do we do with that stress? Because we know stress can really hurt us physically, emotionally. Uh, it increases inflammation in our body. It hurts our hearts. It hurts our brains. Nothing good about chronic stress, yet many Americans don't have a stress management program. So going to them and saying you must do a certain type of meditation is pretty restrictive because not everybody can do the same type of meditation that their, their neighbor does. So saying you don't have to do one thing, but here's 12. Here's guided imagery. Here's four different types of meditation. Here's a computer-assisted biofeedback program. Uh, here's guided imagery that you can listen to before you go to sleep. So, again, this idea of a lot more tools that we as an individual can look at that, work with our care team and say, yep, that one works for me. I'm going to do that, and, and I'm having this challenge, so I'll take this particular supplement in an evidence-based fashion. So then it becomes kind of fun. Yes, exactly. And then when we start to see results, this kind of benign thing that we're doing 
is making a difference where maybe I am not feeling so reactionary or so stressed and shouting at, at someone in traffic or <laughs> nagging at the kids. Then we get excited. Exactly. And, you know, to be honest, I think that's where a lot of the, if you're looking for the bang for your buck, I think it really is coming down to we have to rewire our brains. Our brains have become very good at being overreactive, at, at, at triggering too quickly, too too drastically. That fight-or-flight response has really become our default mechanism, and we know it's not good for us. Uh, most of the things that stress us aren't really amenable to a fight or a flight. Uh, most of them are the daily hassles that we're just going to have to find a better way to deal with. So rather than allowing them to trigger the brain into releasing all those stress hormones and, and flooding our body with things that we really can't use and therefore become toxic and hurt us, uh, by working on the brain, by doing meditation, by doing gut imagery, by doing all these different modalities, we actually can rewire the brain. We can actually help develop the pathways to the relaxation part of the brain and away from the stress part of the brain. And I think that's going to be fundamental to transforming our health as a nation. We just have to get better at not being quite so stressed and, and toxic in our reactions to stress. And we're using this uh, looking at stress, which, as you've said, is at a critical level in our country. And then that contributes to so many of our other health issues. Won't we find in using one of these or maybe a com combination of a couple of the methods find that maybe it's going to have an impact on other health issues we might be experiencing? Absolutely. And, and stress isn't the only thing, but it's a good example we know under chronic stress, we actually start to suppress our immune system. Uh, we also know that wounds will heal slower in somebody who's chronically stressed versus, you know, their identical twin who's not uh, stressed. So, so we have a real health price to pay for our stress. And so if we think of just inflammation, well, inflammation is probably part of the pathway that leads a lot of us to heart disease, some of us to cancer, some of us to other problems. So kind of going back and going to the root cause, uh, and not that it's the only cause, but it's one that's pretty manageable. And uh, the thing I like about the mind-body approaches is they can be taught and or used by anybody. So sometimes integrative medicine, where we focus on acupuncture or massage, those can be expensive. Not everybody can afford them. And, and then people criticize and say, well, integrative medicine is not for everyone. And to be honest, if I think anybody can learn a, a guided imagery, a meditation, uh, some simple yoga or tai chi. So that's really very accessible. And the nice thing is once you learn these things, you don't need to keep going back and working with somebody. You can do it on your own. You can meditate while you're uh, waiting at the airport. You can meditate before you get out of bed. Uh, Dr. Sood, who's uh, one of our mind-body researchers at Mayo Clinic, just recommends simple things throughout the day, like starting your day by getting up and putting your feet in, uh, on the ground next to the bed and just take a moment and think of five people you're grateful for. And that just kind of gets your brain into a whole different you know, frame of reference, uh, maybe not for the whole day, but it starts me off in the right direction. So I think that's where we're going to see a lot of uh, opportunities to really be transformative for uh, our health in this country is when we start using a lot more of these somewhat ancient traditions, but turn out to be very positive and very science-based. And so hopefully some of this is going to help us to, in a preventive way, so that we're not going to end up with a particular condition. But what we find also is that we might be dealing with a situation, say it is a, a cancer, which obviously we need medical attention for, but using some of these other uh, approaches is going to help us to deal with that cancer, won't it? 
Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of the initial interest in a lot of these different therapies came exactly from that type of uh, situation. Somebody's facing a challenging situation, cancer, for example. And, uh, you know, a lot of the cancer treatments can cause nausea. Well, there are medications that sometimes help, but they can be very expensive and have their own side effects. And then along comes acupuncture and shows a pretty good response. Not for every patient. It's not magic. It doesn't work every time. But, you know, maybe a third to half of my patients who use acupuncture get a great response on their nausea. So I think the, I think the idea of treating symptoms or disorders is a big part of integrative medicine. But I think it's also this idea that even in a, the midst of a, an illness like cancer, we can still promote wellness. We can be well even in the midst of our disorder or our disease. And even patients who are terminal or, or in the dying process, there's still this realm of things we can bring to the bedside that can improve their quality of life, that can improve uh, essentially their well-being even in the dying process. And that's beautiful really, to just really make life as um, peaceful all along the process. And as you said, during that phase when we are ending life, that the death is coming. Yes. And I think, again, to, you know, it's, it's part of the great circle. We're not going to escape it. So actually embracing that time of life and making it a transition, making it something where the family can come together, and then, you know, supplementing whatever works for that individual. Many of my patients in hospice uh, find massage to be tremendously beneficial. Many find music. Uh, we have a, a very active uh, dog program here at Mayo. We've got 40 wonderful volunteers and their owners who, who see our patients uh, in the hospital in the outpatient setting, but they're very popular in the hospice. And, and for many patients, having you know, that, that uh, animal next to them as they pass uh, is tremendously relaxing, tremendously beneficial. So again, I think this idea of being able to look beyond what's in our pill chest and not to say that our pills aren't important or that we're uh, denigrating them, but sometimes we can look and say, that are there other things we can do either in addition or sometimes besides uh, the medications? And, and I think this is where integrative medicine, based on research, has been very powerful. And added to that, because we were talking about some people feeling that it, you know, it wasn't affordable for everyone, but my feeling and the way that I work with myself too is using some of the integrative approaches and feeling I don't need to necessarily use the medicines which could cause cost equal to that or anyway, somewhere in that realm. So we can look at it in terms of those sorts of options. I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think we've gotten a little too uh, quick in our country to think of, well, I have high cholesterol. The answer is a, a prescription pill. And for some patients, that's absolutely the right answer. But if you look at the number of people using statin medications and then ask how many of those are actually doing a really good uh, Mediterranean kind of diet with lots of fruits and vegetables and, and really healthy choices for fats and so forth, and then on top of that they're getting that you know, 50 minutes of brisk exercise throughout the week and another 30 minutes a day of other exercise. And they're, you know, so if we ask the question how many of those people uh, would actually need a uh, prescription medication, if we were doing the lifestyle stuff, I'm sure we would cut the use of medications uh, by three-fourths. And so there it is, the lifestyle, the the nutrition and the sleep and the exercise. That's pretty fundamental where we might find that that's a major preventative activity for any of these chronic diseases we're finding, like dementia and diabetes and heart and stroke attacks. Yes, 
Well, and, and, and Dr. Dean Ornish has done a lot of this work with heart disease where he's taught people good nutrition, good exercise. In most of his studies, he has people do 60 minutes a day of a mind-body practice, and he also has them do uh, a support group. There's a structured social component to that because how we're connected to our communities, our spirituality, turns out to be hugely important. But when he's done this in a variety of different studies, it's been able, he's been able to show reversal of heart disease. And he did a really interesting study with some older men who had prostate cancer who he put on this comprehensive lifestyle approach and actually showed uh, some improvement in their telomeres or the telomeres, the little caps on the chromosomes which have been associated with aging. So, so with a comprehensive lifestyle, no pills, he was able to show essentially what looks like uh, a reversal of aging at a chromosomal level. So I think we really, really can't overestimate the importance of lifestyle. And yet for most of us, we're so busy, we've got so many things in our plate, we're, we're just multitasking all the time that to sit down and prepare a really healthy meal and make it as full of fresh fruits and vegetables and organic food and take time to prepare it and then turn around and, and do an hour's worth of aerobic uh, type activity and then also throughout the day sprinkle in another hour's worth of meditation. It, it, it just seems unreachable for many people and so we acquiesce to the crazy lifestyle and end up taking a lot of pills and that's probably not the right approach. That's right. We have to step back and take a better view of it and maybe take it, you know, those baby steps, those proverbial baby steps, <laughs> is, is, is make it just uh, once a week to begin with and, and increase it, right? I think uh, we, we are Americans and, and we tend to be all or none. So, so a lot of us say, okay, it's New Year, I'm going to go out and run 12 miles a day. And we forgot that that, you know, hurt my knees and now my back hurts and we quit. So, so absolutely start small. And, and look at this is not something I have to do in a week, but it's something I'm going to do for the next 40 years of my life, or 50 or 60 years, depending on how old you are. And when you take it from that perspective, not figuring it all out in two days isn't that big a deal. So absolutely, if you want to start working on a mind-body practice, the goal of an hour a day is great. But I have a lot of people who, at the end of a year, are very happy if they've gotten 30 minutes a day. They might do 15 minutes of Tai Chi in the morning and 15 minutes of guide imagery before they go to bed. So that's not the perfect approach, but it's much better than doing nothing, and it started them on a path that then becomes part of their lifestyle. And I think the same thing with exercise. You know, if, if you can't run, if you can't bike, my knees hurt, my back hurts, then sometimes having those options like Tai Chi, uh, there's many adaptable forms of Tai Chi where you can get a lot of movement in a very gentle, flowing fashion that doesn't tend to hurt the joints. It's not going to be as aerobic as running, but it's sometimes the starting point for somebody doing, well, I did Tai Chi twice this week. I'll do it three times next week, four times. And as they build up, they start to get the resiliency to be able to do more aerobic stuff. So I think start small and have that long-term view, great recommendations. And I noticed that Pilates is mentioned throughout this book, The Integrative Guide to Good Health. And so obviously you are a, a major supporter of that. Well, I think anything that builds core strength, we, we now know so much depends on core strength in terms of, especially with aging, uh, in terms of our posture, uh, just how we carry ourselves, our energy levels. So Pilates just happens to be one great way to build core strength. And again, the idea is not that uh, because it's in the book you should do it, because there's lots of people who can't afford it or don't have a good Pilates instructor nearby, uh, and so it's not always 100% accessible. But again, the idea is what if we have these 20 things you can choose from 
and Pilates is one of them, and you happen to enjoy it and it fits your schedule and it fits your situation, then it's nice to know that there's evidence that says, yes, this can be part of your overall health and wellness approach. And that's the thing. These options, this multi-multi kinds of varieties of things, healthy things we can do for ourselves, is in the book, The Integrative Guide to Good Health, from the Mayo Clinic. And of course, let's then mention, Dr. Bauer, it's available at all of our favorite book sources, correct? It absolutely is. So if we don't find it on a shelf or online there, uh, ask for it. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, We do have it at the Mayo Clinic bookstore. That's at the Mayo Clinic website. And I did check Amazon.com, of course, and it's up there and ready. So it shouldn't be a problem. But if there is, uh, ask for it. It it should be available fairly soon. Exactly. So we can do ourselves such a huge favor as you are a gift to us this morning, Dr. Bauer. Our gift to ourselves, then, is having a copy of this book and finding the things that, where we can start. Maybe we can, we're looking for a change right now. Maybe we're contemplating it. So that sort of thing, we can find all these different options and really key in to what might be an issue in our health life right now. I love the way you phrase that. My hope is that this is what it does. It sparks the opportunity for discussion about options and, you know, reading the book. And obviously there's many other good resources for health and wellness out there. But I think being the informed consumer, taking charge of our own health, and then but using this as a good launching point then to have that discussion with our, our primary care team. Uh, because many things that we're talking about are, are relatively safe and, and it's very hard to see people get harmed by doing uh, guided imagery or meditation. But some of the herbs and supplements, you know, there can be interactions with different medications. So I always love the idea of learn as much as you can, be an informed consumer, be an advocate for your own health, but then take that information, take the things that you think make sense that you want to incorporate on a regular basis and just have that touch point with your primary care team and let them know this is how you want to move forward or these are the things you're considering so they're informed. And sometimes there's things about our individual health needs or conditions that means they might push us in one direction or the other. So I love the idea of not being, you know, either or. Either I'm going to do conventional stuff with my regular team or I'm going to do the other stuff with my other team. I like the idea of saying let's have everybody on the same page, let's approach it as a team, And then let's have that dialogue so that I, as a consumer, can walk out of that doctor's office with really good information and a good sense that I'm doing the right thing for my individual health needs. It is so heartening to hear you say that, and more so the fact that you are part of the Mayo Clinic. I feel that others look to you, you know, as sort of this beacon that this is uh, going to help medical professionals across the country and across many countries to really move forward with this kind of an approach. Well, you know, of course, I always like to think Mayo Clinic is the best and the brightest, and maybe that's true. But uh, to be honest, there's actually a great consortium called the Academic Consortium for Integrative Medicine and Health, and that now represents over 70 medical schools and academic medical centers around the country, uh, including Mayo Clinic, but also places like Duke and Harvard and UCLA and UCSF and a lot of good, respectable places that uh, come together to talk about integrative medicine, both around policy, practice, education, and research. Uh, We hold an international conference every other year on research on integrative medicine. So it's not just Mayo Clinic, but a lot of academic centers, a lot of well-recognized medical schools 
have really taken a proactive lead. And, and, and again, not saying that conventional medicine is wrong or has let us down, but saying that there are things we can bring back to the bedside that used to be there. And some of that is time with the patient. Some of that's touch. I mean, the simple effect of uh, a massage can actually have profound impact on a number of variables in human health. So again, advocating for that more holistic approach, which is a term that's gotten a little bit overused, but I still like it because to me it means we're not limited to one tool in the toolkit, but approaching the, the patient or ourselves as there's a whole bunch of things, which ones work for me. Precisely. And there will be those of us who really like to do this investigation, and that's why the book, The Integrative Guide to Good Health, is really a great tool, a great source for us to see what's going on and, and make those kinds of choices. And then we help others uh, to inform them. So I think all around it's a big win-win. Well, let's, let's be honest. This, this whole field, this whole movement has been driven from the ground up. And, and by that, I mean it really is grassroots. This has been people, patients, consumers coming to places like Mayo Clinic for the last 20 years coming for a heart transplant or coming for a complicated surgical procedure, and then at the same time asking for uh, information about acupuncture. Can I use acupuncture after surgery? Can I use this herb to help with these symptoms? And I think what's increasingly happened is Mayo and other academic centers, researchers, have responded by saying we can't answer that if we don't have good science. And so the science has grown tremendously in the last 20 years to the point now we, we can. We can look at somebody and say, yes, absolutely, we're going to use acupuncture here at Mayo Clinic when it's appropriate to help people with pain. We're going to use massage after open heart surgery because our studies showed that it dramatically reduces pain and muscle tension and anxiety. So I think that's where the, this blend of, of evidence and historic use, uh, what our patients are interested in, what we're studying, bringing those together. Now we have something brand new that's really kind of fun. I'm loving that, and the, you've reiterated how it has been a grassroots movement. So it's always beneficial for us, then, to bring ideas to our physician. And if they're not welcomed, perhaps that's time to maybe look for someone else, find a place where we are going to be listened to and assisted in this road to good health. Well, and it's increasingly difficult in our in our current payer system, the one thing we really don't seem to value in all this healthcare discussion is time to talk to our physicians. That's the one thing that still kind of lags out of the discussion. So our, our poor docs in the trenches are often faced with really good questions, but are often very limited. And so I think a lot of them have shifted or, or partnered with, you know, maybe their pharmacist to help ask answer questions about herbs or a nurse to help with the stress management. So, so if your doctor can't do it all, he or she hopefully has a team or somebody in the community they work with to help address these things. But if the answer is, I don't want to talk about this completely, slam the door, then I agree. It may be time to think there could be a more therapeutic relationship out there somewhere. Ah, a good clarification of that, because I think I've experienced that where it's, okay, we've got, uh, you have, rather, 10 minutes for the appointment. <laughs> so, yes, definitely. And that's where, you know, again, we can be encouraged to look at how we might find some information on our own, come armed with that, and then, you know, be able to keep that time efficient and be recommended to the one who can help us with a particular uh, type of modality. I sure agree. I, I love my well-informed patients who come with specific questions and have done their homework. 
we can, we can work from that. Even in limited time periods, we can get a lot done with the well-informed consumer. And this has been such a great wealth of information that I trust is going to help us be that much more well-informed, supported, of course, with this great new book, The Integrative Guide to Good Health from the Mayo Clinic. And Dr. Bauer, you are, again, such a gift. I so appreciate what you do and the fact that you've taken this much time with us this morning. Well, Kate, this has been wonderful. You make me feel good. So maybe maybe you're part of my integrative health approach. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Glad to be of help, of course. All right. Take care, and thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome.